you know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got these massive souls. We're looking people. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the only podcast that's gone from League Two to the Premier League. We're going to bring this one to you in two parts, so this is part one. I'm Kev, your host as always, and I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. James, how are you doing, mate? Very good, mate. Let's get this international break out of the way, shall we? Absolutely. Uh, Coming up then, we will do our usual two player focuses which this month are going to be on the goalkeeper, Thomas Kaminsky, and our on-loan right-back, Issa Kabore. We'll have a good discussion about one year of Rob Edwards being in charge of Luton and what a year it's been. We'll reflect on that in this episode. Thomas Kaminsky then, James. Um, When we go back to the summer, the goalkeeper was a huge position that we had to fill. Obviously, Ethan Horvath done the job last season, but I don't think anyone really thought he was ever going to be the one to take us into the Premier League. It took a long time for us to get the goalkeeper, but eventually we got Thomas Kaminsky from Blackburn. Started slowly, which I guess is kind of a legacy of how long it took for him to come in and everything. But the longer the season's gone on, he's got better and better and better. And as we speak right now, he's on international duty with Belgium. Not got a game in the two games, unfortunately, which is a surprise when you think that Thibaut Courtois is out for the whole season. They must have some serious depth in uh, goalkeeping out in Belgium. But... What have you made of him? And um, well, he's, we had this debate like in the last podcast, didn't we, where you said someone said that he's the best goalkeeper of this generation. We'll debate that in a minute. But what have you made of him first and foremost? I mean, I think he's like Luton. He's grown into the, the season because there were some early mistakes. And you can look at, I always look at the Fulham one. And some people say it's not a mistake, but he's pushed the ball out and into the path of the... Uh, the Fulham guy, and um, that's the only goal of that game, and that's points lost. But I think after that start, where and you could say it about Luton as well. The, the first two de- games, they were starstruck almost, weren't they? And they they've, they've been building very nicely ever since, apart from maybe the Aston Villa game. I think him in the in the goal as part of that has been very impressive, really. And you only have to look at the, the game before the international break where he makes that stop on the line uh which i don't know how he how he managed that up at old trafford um and it's just a shame that they're not getting more points because he's he's saving an awful lot of goals and keeping them in games it's just a shame that that's not happening at the moment but you know i think with the amount that they're progressing then maybe that will come but um you know, considering that the merry-go-round of transfer speculation there was in the summer and him seem, seemingly sort of being fourth or fifth choice, um, I think Luton have really come up with some, with, with a great signing there because if you think about the players that were oh so nearly a Luton player, Tom Heaton at United and Asmir Begovic at one point, and I know they've, they're older and they've got more experience, but I wasn't very excited by them as, as prospects. Uh, and this one sort of come under the radar, really, because he's, but he, he's been playing 
regularly for for Blackburn, or he had been, and he's an international. Um, so I think that for me trumps those other two. They were going for experience, I think, weren't they? I think they've probably dodged a bullet there to a certain extent. Not that they would have been terrible, but they've come up with a really good goalkeeper who just seems to be getting better. Yeah, and they've still got the experience as well, haven't they? Obviously, they've signed Tim Krull that we've not really seen too much of because we bombed out of the um, Carabao Cup far too early, but they've still got that leg of it. But they've also got a good goalkeeper who, I mean, is performing as well as any goalkeeper in the Premier League in terms of saves, saves percentage, chances uh, that he's saving. You know, I, th- I think our goals, uh, expected goals against compared to the actual goals that we've conceded, uh, Kaminsky's is the best in the league, or it was prior to uh, the Man United game. Not all of the statistics that I've seen have been updated yet, uh, but I can't believe he's any worse because, you know, nothing that he got beaten by at Old Trafford should have been saved. So um, that bodes well. Um, <laughs> we're in a situation with goalkeepers, though, aren't we, where everything has to be perfect? Mm. You know, <laughs> you want 10 out of 10 for shot stopping. You want command of your box. You've got to be good with your feet you know, all of this, that and the other, but the realism is no one ticks or is 10 out of all of those boxes. I mean, if you look at the two that's comparable or or that everyone compares in the Premier League, Edison and Allison, well, one of them is a good shot stopper in Edison and he's brilliant with his feet. Whilst the other one, Allison, is very commanding of his box and also good with his feet, but not necessarily the best in terms of shot stopping. None of them have all of those boxes ticked. So it's just unrealistic to expect Luton to sign a goalkeeper that does absolutely everything. You just, you need to work out what it is you're going to need the most of. And I think Rob Edwards alluded to this in a press conference before one of the two recent games. And he said he wants his goalkeeper to be good at shot stopping because ultimately he's going to face a hell of a lot (laughs) more shots than he is crosses this season. And um, it looks like he's found the right man. I'd say so. I mean, that's his, that's, very much his forte uh, at the moment. Although I think he's done well on crosses. He's been commanding um, enough. But yeah, when when you've got millions of pounds worth of talent against you that will take a shot if you give them a millimetre of space, then yeah, he's got to be uh, he's got to be up there. And he's not just doing it from distance as well. I mean, the one um, the one against Liverpool, the game against Liverpool. Sorry, he made a string of saves in that. But I think. A lot of them were well within his range and comfortable. I think maybe the one against Jota in the first half, which was low down, was was a useful save that he had to make. And the other ones were sort of right at him, powerful, a couple from Nunes, um, which he made look nice once for the cameras. But I think they were they were, they were well savable. But the one like at Old Trafford to uh, keep out Hoyland was outstanding. Um, and of course, he's up for save of the month for the save that he made against Watkins at Aston Villa last month as well. And that was, I mean, I didn't realise it at the time because you're like at the side of the pitch. Mm. We're kind of pretty much parallel with the penalty area, but you see it on television and the way he gets across from the cross and he spreads himself. I mean, it kind of, it's a Peter Schmeichel back in the day, wasn't it? The way he spread himself and pushed that around the post important thing being pushed that round the post or well, he didn't push it around the post sorry but pushed it into an area where Watkins couldn't score the second one without having to do something really special he got up and saved the second one as it turned out but in comparison to what you were saying against Fulham he pushed it out of the immediate danger zone whereas obviously against Fulham he pushed it straight back into it. Well, I think that's the improvement isn't it that um, we're seeing 
a lot of this throughout the whole, whole squad. They're making gradual improvements, and and that's heartening to see. Because I mean, think, I think we'd all be loving it anyway, um, just because of where we've been. We all know that, but when you can see those improvements happening, um, it steals you a bit more, I think, doesn't it? And yeah, I think he's one of them. Um, I think he's really come on uh, certainly in the last month or so, and it's. If you think back to the beginning of the season, we were saying, who is number one then? Is it Krul or is it Kaminsky? And it's, it's undoubtedly Kaminsky at the moment. So, uh, yeah, in, in that sense, it's good to have that stability, I guess, at, at the back, um, particularly when, as we all know, we've got defence that are regularly injured and sort of chopping and changing and stuff. And he's that one constant um, at the moment. So, yeah, I think... Um, yeah, they've 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 got a steal there in terms of a buy, um, and young as well. Yes, somewhere in the region of two and a half million quid from Blackburn for Kaminsky, and um, yeah, like you say, I mean, it is looking an absolute bargain. Best goalkeeper of this gen, well, I say this generation, best Luton goalkeeper. I think if mentioned of all time, it, I wouldn't put him in there yet, but. Certainly, probably the best goalkeeper since the Les Sealy Andy Dibble days, I would suggest. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hyperbole a bit at the moment. I think, isn't it? Um, he's pulling off some absolutely fantastic saves, and all credit to him. But when you've got the likes of Mike Tyler, uh, Mark Tyler, that have you know played two hundred plus games and been such a firm favourite, uh, I think it's probably a little too early. But then again. I understand the sentiment when you're looking at the levels because Tyler was in the conference and Kaminsky's come in and he's doing it in the Premier League against the so-called very best. So maybe when you look at it like that, um, that's probably where the statement comes from and, and people are getting really excited about it. Um, and it's only maybe nostalgia that keeps you saying, well, the likes of of Tyler and, um, yeah, I mean, Les Celia was the the first goalkeeper I remember in, in Luton shirt, and he's still very fondly remembered, isn't he? Everywhere, wherever he's played. Um, so, so, I don't know if you can quite compare him with uh, with him or or Dibble at the moment. Compared, really, I'm Dibble for that one match, isn't it? Really? And it's not to say he didn't do anything else, but that's that's his legacy. That that cup final in '88. So. Um, You've got probably a long way to go to to say all time, but I think really in the last in the twenty twenty era, I think it was a good shout. He's certainly not as mad as Les as Sealy. <laughs> I will uh, say that much, or at least I hope he's not. And uh, yeah, no, really doing brilliantly well. You're right. His his improvement and his uh, progression is very much reflected of the whole side. And I guess you could say that about the player that we'll focus on for our second player focus, and that's. Uh, Manchester City right back on loan for the season Issa Kabore another player who as we speak is on international duty although he's taken a bit of a hit on international duty it has to be said I don't know if you've seen the social media video of it but during a game that he played on uh, Friday I think it was absolutely wiped out out cold and to be fair to the opposition they rushed to get medical attention onto him and um at the time, you're kind of hoping that all is well. Thankfully, we now know that all is pretty much well and he's on his way back and he'll be back in Luton sometime soon. Uh, we'll discuss in the Crystal Palace preview whether we're going to see him in that game. But what have you made of Kabore at right back? He's he's one of those that you kind of traditional youngster path breaks into our team, 
has to come out for two or three games, watches on, and now when he's got back into the team, very much, I'm not coming out of this team again. Yeah, I think that's probably spot on. A bit of a shaky start. Promise to start with where we've seen his pace and thinking, wow, we've got a player here. And then came off it a little bit where his touch wasn't great or he wasn't making the right decisions. Uh, but in the last month, I'd say, you know, other than Barkley and, and Chio, he's been up there as one of Luton's best performance performers, most uh, attacking threat coming down there, which gives some options as well, because all of it was coming down the left and Man United, for example, figured out that Chio was the man and they did enough to stop him. So, um, and obviously Cabrori laid on the pass for Chong's goal against Liverpool, which we waxed Liverpool about at the time, which is a difficult skill really, because he had to be spot on and, and he did it. And I think those are the things that we weren't seeing maybe four games previously where his passing wasn't on point and he wasn't making those right decisions. And, and that one seemed to be a sort of turning point, I think. So it almost seems like they've told him like maybe a couple of things. This is what you need to do. And he's taken it all on board and he's, he's done it. And I think that's good in the recruitment side of things where they've recognized a player that's got a lot of potential, but can also grow and be coached. Um, uh, you know, I think probably Doughty was one of those as well. Um, when when he got his chance to get back inside and he took it and he's not looked back. And I think that there's been a couple of those players, but not, most notably, I think in the last month or so, Issa has really taken on board whatever he's being told on that training ground. And it, it's, it's working for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, the start it didn't have great uh, use of English at the start when he arrived. Uh, I think he was um, paired up with Pelly Rodakampanzi, so I don't think he's learned any English um, in that di- <laughs> in that direction either. But he certainly is a bit better at it now. Um, what caught me by surprise in that video? Where's number nine for his national side? I'm like, you playing up front, man? What's what's going on here? You don't expect a right back um, to be wearing number nine. The biggest improvement in Kabore is the end product, isn't it? Mm. At the start of the season, even going right the way back to Brighton. He got into some fantastic positions and the only things that were in danger were the seagulls overhead than, you know, the goal or anything like that. There have been a few times he's got into the byline and he's peppered the Kenworth end or the Oak Road end. But the more that the season's gone on, he had that cross for Jacob Brown at Fulham, didn't he, when Brown hit the post. You mentioned the Chong one. He crossed for um, Morris's header at Old Trafford as well. Gradually, it's it's improving, isn't it? Whether that's just familiarity with players or... Like you say, coaching, I mean, we've got three top-notch coaches on our coaching staff, haven't we? Rob Edwards, Richie Carr, and um, Paul Trollope. Superb coaches. So it wouldn't be a surprise if it is that. And obviously Rob, being a defender as well, can coach the defensive side into him as well. Um, There is definitely improvement in that final bit of play. Yeah, I think so. You've also got to probably mention Kevin Foley as well, because he'd come in as a transition coach. And I think that's all important at the moment, because obviously Luton don't have a lot of the ball. So when they do have it, they've got to do something with it useful. And we saw that a lot in in the Liverpool game. Um, and I, I think that that's probably good. That would have taken a little while to bed in as well. Um, but I think it's an important piece of the puzzle, really. And it, it seems that uh, so is Issa um, in terms of the speed of 
play they have to adopt to break out. Um, you know, if you think about the Liverpool one, they had to first beat Liverpool press and then get out. It worked a treat because on the counter they were absolutely blinding. I think that's probably why Manchester United looked at it so so um, acutely and, and tried to nullify that a little bit. Um, and hopefully other teams don't do that. But, you know, in terms of uh, his attacking play, I think that that's a very useful thing to have because if uh, the statistics bear it out that every, uh, so much of it was coming down the left. Uh, and if that gets blocked off, then you've got to have something else there. And, uh, and I think that he's starting to show that, that, that there is. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully see that a bit more uh, as the games go on. <clears throat> you know, whether he plays against Crystal Palace is probably a bit of a doubt at the moment, isn't it? But, um, you know, beyond that, I think he, he was looking pretty pretty good. And I, I guess playing international football as well is probably going to help you. And you've got that confidence to know that you're uh, good enough um, so when you sort of put those pieces all together, maybe it was sort of the settling in aspect uh, and and the language stuff. So um, that's obviously that will obviously improve as the months and weeks go on. If it hasn't already improved, but um, the, the proofs in the pudding from what this performance has been. Yeah, indeed. And you mentioned Kevin Foley. You're quite right to mention Kevin Foley. Andros Townsend is another his improvement since Andros has arrived has really come on. So clearly there's a sort of um, partnership forming down that right-hand side between those two. And hey, who who would be better to learn off in the Premier League at this club right now than Andros Townsend, who's played however many hundreds of games in it and knows it inside out? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean that was part of the role and part of why they wanted to sign him in anyway. And even he admitted that if he could do anything off the pitch uh, to help players... Than, than he could but I think you're right that it, it really has helped to have that uh, seasoned professional that's been there and done it um, and yeah maybe that's another piece of the puzzle that you've got to factor in because they since Andros has come in you know the first couple of times it was obviously a substitute cameos and that you look pretty good then but when once he's got his chance and come in from the start I think there's been a lot more I don't want to say attacking intent because I think that that was already there, but attacking quality probably is the better way uh, to say it. Um, it. It wasn't for the lack of wanting to do what they uh, have since done since he's come in, but uh, you've got obviously Barkley on song as well as uh, at the same time. And in comes um, Andros Townsend that's played so much Premier League football and knows what it's all about. And I think, you know, when we were assessing what the difference was between Championship and Premier League earlier in the season, and it was just the simple stuff, the basics and the speed of it. And I think Townsend does that really well, and you can't help but sort of learn from that, I think. Yeah, if you've got top-class footballers around you, you are going to eventually reach top-class standard. That's that's how it is. The same as if you're playing against top-class individuals, you'll eventually work it out and uh, you'll get up to closer to that level. And that's exactly what... The majority of our squad have done, but particularly Kabore, and we hope that he's okay when he comes back from international duty, whether he plays on Saturday or not. That did look nasty, and uh, yeah, thankfully it does seem like all is well. Let's move on. Friday just gone, James. We celebrated one year of Rob Edwards as manager of Luton Town. Yeah, it's not been a bad year really, has it? Yeah, I've enjoyed myself. 
<laughs> yeah, as those years go, it's flown by, isn't it? and uh, what happens when it's flows by? You usually having a bit of fun, aren't you? So, I mean, even in the Premier League, when everybody is sort of saying, uh, you know, Luton are up against it, you're destined to go down and stuff like that. The experience of the Luton fan, if you take out the sort of day to uh, you know day to day disappointment of losing a football match, ultimately the overriding thing is everybody's absolutely loving it, aren't they? That's what we're seeing in the in the the away celebrations, even when you get beaten for four nil or whatever it was four one. I think uh, it's a very very unique position that we find ourselves in, and um, it's one that. Yeah, I, I was very dubious would even get to anywhere near this point this time last year when um, when uh, Edwards had just been just been uh, signed up to replace Nathan Jones. Um, I think it's wildest dream stuff, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, it is. I mean, I remember uh, when it was announced, or in the process of being announced, and obviously the trust board were. Um, given a slight advancement on the announcement um, as shareholders. And, and I spoke to Wilco and I was like, are you sure? Because obviously where he's come from and everything else. And I mean, he said it when we had him on the podcast, once they met him, no one else was ever going to manage Luton Town. Mm. And, he, and in the year since, you can absolutely understand why that's the case because he carries himself so well. He's such a, a, a forefront figure of our club I don't think we'd want anyone else leading it I mean obviously Nathan done brilliant work for us but it's kind of fitting that it is Rob that took us into the Premier League because he's that he he just caught he just got it straight away and he's so down to earth and he's so he just gets it and he, he's such a good coach he's so calm measured uh and, I, and I've always believed that football managers and the teams represent their football manager. And that's very much the case with this team. And I mean, to get 50 points from 25 games in the championship under him is incredible enough. And now to be competing in the Premier League, all inside 12 months. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah, it's same as you. Um when I saw the bookies list of all the managers that Luton might have been after, which most of it was miles wide of the mark, but Edwards was on there. And when I had a little look at, um, a look at him and what, what he'd achieved before Watford, obviously I knew about that. Um, I thought that that would probably be the best sort of fit and the best shout, but I never in a million years thought they'd go for it because he had been at Watford. Um, I remember on the day that he was announced and we went down to the press conference and I was sort of saying the same sort of thing to, to Gary Sweet <laughs> when I was having a little nap with him and he had a, of a glint in his eye as he often does in those sorts of scenarios. They based it all on his, his abilities and what he'd done at the Forest Green rather than, um, rather than Norwich. And as he said in the, on that day, uh, it was not like I'm a Watford legend. I wasn't there long enough. Um, so any any of those doubts were quickly extinguished, I think. Uh, and I think the obviously the game against Norwich was a massive shot in the arm for his tenure and for Luton's season and how it went and that how that game finished. Obviously, with not only winning it but being a man down, sticking um, attacking players on, and then Corley Woodrow, Woodrow's 
control and finish, which I could still watch all day if you showed it to me, um, it's is unbelievable. And that that started the whole thing off. And yeah, not, not really looked back since. It was like a train, wasn't it? That's left the station and it picked up speed, and it was like a fast train. It misses out all these small stations and just goes full <laughs> steam ahead to the big to the big station it was like I mean that Norwich night I've spoken about it on many a podcast last season that Corley Woodrow goal was my moment of the season I absolutely loved it and I still remember it and then three days later it was QPR away I mean hell hell was still defrosting the last time we won there wasn't it I mean and then we go to Huddersfield on New Year's Day we win there with Reese Burke last couple of minutes obviously I enjoyed that because Reese Burke huge fan of and then you you know you kind of like well this this is just like the novelty factor and but it kept on going. Then we won at Sheffield United, and then everyone's like, "Whoa, now we're uh, now we, this could genuinely happen." And then of course, you know, you had that certain game on April Fool's Day that you know the moment that he was appointed. I mean, I spoke I spoke to him for this podcast, didn't I, before his first game against Middlesbrough, and I was talking about that, so four months out, and he knew the importance of it, and he didn't let us down. We won that game, kept on winning. That night against Middlesbrough, turned them over. That night against Sunderland, anyone who was at Kenilworth Road for either the Watford game or the Sunderland game will never, ever forget it. Never, ever, ever forget it. And if you're at Wembley, you'll definitely never forget that. So in the space of six weeks, he gave us three moments that none of us will ever forget. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, I never thought we'd ever be in that position because whatever you want to say about Nathan Jones, and I was a fan um, of, of, of you know, not the way he left in the first place, but obviously what he did up until that point and then his uh, the way he apologised when he came back and did what he did, obviously the great escape and then um, getting looted to the precipice of... Premier League um, but for injuries who knows Um, I never thought that that would kind of happen again um, because there was a special bond between him and the him and the fans I know there's some people that still absolutely refuse to have him whatsoever but there was there was potential the good times would would have gone in that in that respect because it was sort of a bit of a thrill ride really Um, but you know he's come in and 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 that's carried on. Um, I mean, I think I think it's probably it's way too early to sort of compare the two. Um, you know, Nathan has got one of the best win percentages of any Luton manager ever because he was there for longer and he, he he did so well. But what Rob has achieved in such a short space of time is obviously never going to be forgotten either. And um, to, to achieve the sort of it was almost an impossible dream, wasn't it? I, I think that's why everybody's still so upbeat about it now because you know we know where where we were <laughs> ten years ago, fifteen years ago, um, to to be in this place and competing against these teams. And the last couple of podcasts talking about Liverpool and Manchester United, just never, ever, ever thought that that would be uh, a thing. But what he did and what his staff did was make you believe that it was possible and. I think he's sort of making people believe that staying in the league is now possible. And it's a, it's a remarkable achievement really to have that impact that quickly. Yeah. I mean, I remember going up to Old Trafford last week and uh, my sister comes to away games when she can get a ticket with us. And 
we were walking to Old Trafford. We parked with Old Trafford like in, in the distance, and as we were walking to the ground, we were both like, "How is this a league game? You know, <laughs> why you, you only dream of going there in a cup game, really? To go there in a league game, I mean, incredible. I mean, there's two things Luton don't do, right? They don't win playoffs, and they definitely don't win penalty shootouts. And Rob's perfection, really, <laughs> of um, preparation. Not just Rob, should say Richie and Trolls as well. They did both on one special, special afternoon. Yeah, I mean, that um, still gives me chills to think about what what happened on that day, Uh, especially the drama of it, really, because, you know, there were goals scored, getting chalked off and all that stuff. And, you know, Joe Taylor's one in particular, which I didn't. I didn't see anything wrong with at the time. Obviously it was, uh, but I I was going crazy and when I should have had more decorum in the press box, um, I I thought they'd won it. And then everything sort of, because of those, what you say, Luton don't win playoffs and you think everything is against you now. It's not going to go your way. Um, uh, And for it to, for it to happen, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm not sure you really can come to terms with it, really. I'm not sure anyone has, and I'm not sure anyone really wants to. Just to have that in the memory banks and to say that you were there um, was incredible. And Even if you weren't there, I know friends that couldn't get tickets who went down to Wardown Park and the whole of Luton came out and this this, this unit, unifying factor that, that, that sort of... He, he was telling me about it when I was on the train back from, from Wembley and I'm thinking, bloody hell, I've just been at Wembley, but I also wish I could have split myself in two and gone to Wardown Park and, and done that and been with people in my town or just uh, in this one uh, incredible mass moment of elation. So um, to, to to gift people that, uh, you know, whatever happens this season and, you know, in the seasons to come is just an incredible thing to 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 orchestrate, really really is I mean even now if I'm feeling down I just see that Darbo penalty miss the long range one mm. from you know the cameras on the dugouts yeah. or sort of where you were and you just see it explodes behind that goal as soon as that and I just remember you know just I think I was hugging anyone that moved to be honest people that I knew people that I didn't know everyone was doing it it was just it was the most special day ever and it won't be beaten, and again, I wasn't there in '88, so maybe that does beat it. But it, it, it would have had to have been a bloody good day in '88 to beat that one, I, I think. And um, and then, of course, there was Brighton. Yeah, the result didn't go our way, but we walked. We saw Luton walk out in the Premier League. That was emotional. And then we got Goodison Park, which was just absolutely brilliant. Then we had Liverpool two weeks ago. I mean, the noise when Chong's ball hit the back of the net, their uh, shot hit the back of the net. These are all moments that whatever happens this season, you're not going to forget them in a hurry. You know, you go to football for these moments and Rob Edwards has delivered half a dozen of them in, yeah. in, in such a short space of time. That's why I've got so much respect for him. I mean, not only is he a great guy and he is a great, great guy. That's not to say Nathan wasn't. He is a good guy as well in a different way, but he's so humble, so down to earth. It's all about the players, but he should take a lot more credit than what he actually does because, you know, he's galvanised everything and keeps on giving us these moments that we can only dream of. Yeah, well, I mean, he said before the final when some uh, National Journal in the press conference I was at asked him, you know, 
you take credit for, he said, well, no, take no credit. I oh, know he actually said it at Wembley, sorry. Uh, he was, said it at Wembley, the press conference at Wembley after getting to the Premier League, he said he'd take no credit for it whatsoever. Um, so it sort of shows you the, the, the humbleness of him. But um, yeah, I'm all in favour of getting absolutely carried away by the theatre and of football. That's, that's for me what I'm in it for, um, more so than, you know, tactics and stuff like that. And um, I, I absolutely love it. But, um, you know, I think you've got to look at what he's been able to achieve this season as well. Um, we all knew that it'd be well up against it budget-wise, but I think even from the summer transfer window and the business that he's been part of, it's not all him um, getting those players in, but coaching them. I mean, we talked even in this episode earlier at the beginning how there seems to be an element of coaching that is, is almost visible game to game of how players are improving. We talked to Issa, about Isakabore, Issa and I think that um, he he's obviously a, a big part of that. Um, Richie, um, Kyle and Paul Charlop as well. Um, and I think that's what's really impressive about this season, um, which is why I think there's still a lot of hope because you can see the improvements that have been made and they've been made to the, to the rest of the world. They haven't been made quickly, but to Luton fans, they absolutely have because for a while, maybe the first month and a half, he he was always saying to like the national journalists that were in the press conferences I was at, just look at what we, how we were against Brighton and Chelsea and now look at us and see how we're improving. And that's that's the journey. And I think that that's, that's the coach that um, Luton thought they were getting. And that, to me, that was the glint in the eye of Gary Sweet when I was speaking to him at the press conference when he was announced because they'd obviously done their homework on him. Um, and sometimes things don't work for whatever reason. It, it might not just be that, ability but all the stars have aligned so to speak for for Rob Edwards and it's um it's really it's in terms of a football story and a, a, a progress and a journey that we're still on from 10 years ago this continuation of it is something else to see yeah it is I think the the big difference between Nathan and Rob was Nathan was playing everything down budgets this you know and all of that Whereas Rob was, no, dream big, enjoy the ride. Let me worry about the taking the pressure off everyone. But you guys do what you go to football for, enjoy it, you know. And immediately we got on the kind of on the bus with him and rode it to, you know, the Premier League. And whereas under Nathan, it was all like cautious, wasn't it? You know, you know, Bigger, bigger budgets and you know we're only we, we should only be here or there and but rob straight away was like no let's let's give it a right good go and see where we get to and i think we all enjoyed that and we're definitely enjoying where we are now and if that's what we're like after a year let's hope there's plenty more years of rob edwards yeah absolutely i mean he's absolutely assured of his job whereas um, maybe teams the teams below and some of the other teams struggling aren't, aren't necessarily. Um, we haven't quite seen the raft of Premier League managers at Giro Sackins that I think we've seen in previous years. But there was absolutely no chance whatever happened this season of of that happened to Rob Edwards. He's got stock in the bank from that. And we all understand and recognise the overall picture of what Luton in the Premier League means. So even if it goes that way, 
and we were all geared up for it in the first place of let's enjoy this season if we stay in great and if we go out the the club overall the club is sustainable now and it's it's it it can go forward into the future with a, a degree of confidence and i think that that's that's the overall picture that we're all dealing with that the rest of the football world doesn't really understand but i think what it does for rob edwards it it, it gives him more license to be bold um, not that he wasn't anyway. We talked about this the, the first moment that we knew things were going to happen, which was the Norwich game where he was absolutely bold. And it, it set the um, scene for, I guess, his managerial tenure. And I think that, you know, when when you see that and you see that positivity, um, it's, it's difficult to not get on board with that. I mean, I can't imagine there's anybody that's not on board with it. I'm sure there is, but bloody hell. What, do you, what more do you want? Yeah, I just... I don't think football's for you if you're not on board with it. It's um, It's been some ride and thankfully it hasn't finished. It's nowhere near finished and um, I'm sure he'll be here for a long time to come. Or I hope he is. It's like you say, James, the only way he's not going to be is if someone else higher up the food chain comes uh, in for him. Okay, that's it for part one of this part of the November deep dive on the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast, the longest running Luton Town podcast there is. Thanks, as always, for watching or listening, however it is that you've consumed this podcast. Our thanks go to the Hightown Club for staging this part of the podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the intro and exit music, and also to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you can see on our set. Keep your eye out for part two, which will drop later in the week. But until then, come on, you hatters. Everyone in it has got these massive souls. We're looting people.